tales of fraud and malfeasance in the canal <laughs> industry. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. And I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Today we take a look at the history of Loving County, a dusty windswept plain out in West Texas. Some say it's the biggest little county in Texas. But first, what's your favorite Deep Ellum night spot? Well, when I think Deep Ellum, I think trees. They're synonymous for me. Yeah, I think I saw Hagfish like 18 times at trees. But I like the Curtain Club. I think it's a nice place. Pretty cool. Good music. I was going to say Club Clearview, but then I decided to rely on good old-fashioned German craftsmanship and go with the Sons of Herman Hall. In Texas, we take great pride in the adage that everything is bigger and better in Texas. We have the biggest ranches. The biggest state capital. The biggest stakes. The biggest high school marching band. We've got the world's longest fishing pier. The world's largest rose garden. And the largest herd of white-tailed deer. But Texas also has a unique, smallest honor in its borders that in many ways it takes almost as much pride in. The desert of West Texas is home to Loving County, the smallest county in the Permian Basin, and the least populous county in the United States. Today we look at the quirky history of the ultimate example of small-town Texas. Loving County is made up of 671 square miles of windswept desert, located in far west Texas, about 75 miles west of Odessa. The county is bordered on the east by Winkler County, Ward County to the south, the Pecos River to the west, and the New Mexico border to the north. The geography is pretty simple, flat desert with a few rolling hills, lots of sand, rocks, and scrub. There are no trees to speak of, but lots of shrubs and cactus. In prehistoric times, there were springs of water that supported wildlife such as buffalo and deer, and nomadic hunters, but there is little evidence of long-term habitation prior to the late 19th century. It's not the middle of nowhere, but you can see it from there. <laughs> you certainly can. Spanish explorers crossed the area in the 1500s, but the earliest survey of the area was in 1854, when Captain John Pope came through searching for a railroad route. Pope became convinced that artisan wells could be built in the area, and came back in 1855 to try this. He set up Pope's camp, which is near the Pecos River. His effort failed, but until the Civil War, the Butterfield Overland Mail had a stage stop there. In 1867, rancher and former ranger Oliver Loving was mortally wounded by Comanches in the area while scouting ahead of the herd that he was driving with his partner, Charles Goodnight. He made it to Fort Sumner, New Mexico, which is 200 miles away, but he died of gangrene. Larry McMurtry later based the characters of Augustus McRae and Woodrow F. Call from his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel Lonesome Dove on Loving and Goodnight. And McRae's death in the book closely mirrors Loving's. Spoiler alert. What? Didn't mean to spoil that 25-year-old book. In 1887, Loving County was carved out of Tom Green County and named in honor of the cattle industry pioneer. Though the county was set on the map by the legislature, it was largely unpopulated and unorganized. The 1890 census only reported three residents in the entire county. Some ranches had land that extended from Ward or Winkler counties into Loving, but very little went on in this tiny, isolated county for a few years. In 1893, the Loving Canal and Irrigation Company out of Denver was established to build an irrigation canal from the Pecos River to the area ranchers and farmland. That same year, the Canal Company petitioned the state on behalf of 150 voters who wished to be organized as a formal county. Several families moved to Minto, the town set up by the Canal Company, as the new county seat. A flood later that year destroyed what work had been done on the canal, and soon reports were coming into the state that the organization of the county was done fraudulently. 
tales of fraud and malfeasance in the canal <laughs> industry. An investigation found three people in Mintone, and all county officials were non-residents, and were all among the canal company's founders and principal shareholders. <laughs> A new election was ordered, but again the same people were elected to their offices, and by 1897 the company and its scam was gone from Texas, and the state legislature dissolved the county, attaching it to Reeves County across the Pecos to the west. Mintone was abandoned, but a handful of residents stuck around, most of them workers for the big cattle ranches in the area. In 1900, there were 30 people living in the former county, about half as many as neighboring Winkler County. But when the state released land formerly held by the Texas School Land Grant for public sale after 1900, West Texas went through something of a boom, as small farmers, who were really ranchers, came in to try their lot in the area. In 1910, a small town called Juanita, and later Porterville, was founded in the southwest corner of the county by another irrigation company, and the county population rose to around 250. Porterville had about 100 people and supported a post office and a small one-room building that doubled as a schoolhouse and a church, which were both built in 1910. This was about the same time as the incorporation of Winkler County. Okay, 1910 was the high point of the West Texas livestock boom, and drought through the teens diminished the population in the area to pre-1900 levels. But in the 1920s, things changed for the area. Oil was actually discovered first in Loving County in 1921, but it was the opening of the Hendrick oil field in Wink in 1926 that saw the real oil boom happening for the area as workers and speculators streamed in. It resulted in the founding of the town Ramsey, as well as several oil camps throughout the area. In 1931, Loving County was reorganized, and it's the only county in Texas to have been organized twice. Ramsey was renamed Mentone, which was the name of the old county seat. The post office and the school-slash-church house were moved from Porterville, and they still stand today, or at least the church does. Uh, It's the oldest building in the county. Most of the population of Porterville also moved, and the town ceased to exist. A two-story brick courthouse was built in 1935 and had an elevator. And at the time, the town had five cafes, five gas stations, two hotels, two drugstores, two recreation halls, two barbershops, a dance hall, a machine shop, a newspaper, and a dry cleaner. And with the the county's population peaking at the time around 600. As with Wink, which was nearby, wildcatting and overproduction made the boom period short-lived. And during the war years, population declined further, staying in the 200s through the 1960s. In 1945... 24-year-old Edna Reed made headlines in Mintone when she was the first woman elected to sheriff in Texas. The young woman never carried a gun and only made two arrests during her two-year term. She left the area but came back in 1965 to become the county clerk for Loving County until 1986 and then retired to a ranch until her death in 2009. She was a popular figure in the community, renowned for her kindness, especially to the poor school children of the county. town began a radical decline in the 1960s as energy prices fell. In 1951, the high school students were sent to Pecos, which is about 40, 50 miles away. And then in 1972, the school district consolidated with the Wink School District due to the cost of maintaining an elementary school. The kids were bused to the Wink School 30 miles away. And my uncle at the time was in high school, and he remembers that one of the girls in his class had gone to elementary school in the one-room schoolhouse in Mentone. Now, since the late 1970s, Mentone and Loving County pretty much looked the same. It's a tiny speck of a town off of Highway 302 from Kermit, and it's really so far out of the way that you either need to be going there to get there, or you need to be really, really lost. There's a one, two-story building, and has an elevator. It's the courthouse. There's two stop signs. There's about two blocks of paved streets. There's a tiny one-room church, which was the old schoolhouse, 
where every week a preacher comes in to run a non-denominational service. There's a couple of trailers in town. There's an old well-filled equipment yard, and there's a gas station. And there was a small cafe, the Boot Track Cafe, which was only open in the mornings until it closed a couple of years ago. Now, my step-grandfather, when he was alive, they used to go, he used to go there from time to time to have lunch. And he said the cook would make about 30, 37 cheeseburgers every day. And they generally knew who was coming in each day of the week. There's a plaque outside the courthouse, and it reads, Mentone has no water system. The water used to have to be hauled in. Uh, nor does it have a bank, doctor, hospital, newspaper, lawyer, civic club, or cemetery. Now, all of this is surrounded by miles and miles and miles of nothing at all, uh, spotted by an occasional oil tank or a stopped rusted, rusting pump jack. Yeah, but the image that conjures to my mind is Radiator Springs. From, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Totally Radiator Springs. <laughs> Uh, today, Loving County is the least populous county in the United States. The second least populous county in the country is the leper colony on Molokai Island in Hawaii. Loving also has the highest median per capita income of any county in Texas. The 82 people in the county have a median household income of $83,000 a year, which is $3,000 higher than Collin County, where we all live, which has a population of 782,000 and three of the fastest-growing cities in America, McKinney, Frisco, and Allen. The small, dispersed population of the county has created some very interesting situations over the past several years, most of them related to politics. Very few court proceedings have taken place at the courthouse. Only 726 civil cases were filed at the courthouse between 1931 and 2004, most of them involving car accidents or business disputes. Two jury trials in 2003 were the first in the county since its district court was established in 1955 and the county's then-entire adult population had to appear for the 60-person jury panel. They weren't able to establish a jury since there is a Texas law that prohibits relatives from serving on the same jury. (laughs) There were only two potential jurors who were unrelated to another potential juror, so one of the cases had to move to Pecos. The courthouse is critical to Loving County, though, since nearly a third of the county's population is employed by the county government. Most of the town's 19 or so residents work for the county. In the 1990s, Loving County made some curious national news when they were the only county in the country to regularly return rural development funding from the federal government. They did install a $5,000 electronic flagpole, which automatically raises and lowers the flag, but for the most part, they just couldn't use the money because they couldn't think of what to use it for. Um, They recently built a modern annex to the courthouse, though, for the sheriff's office and the county clerk. It was built in 2011 because, despite the fact that they'd repeatedly lowered the nominal tax rates in the county, They'd finally gotten around to building a water system in 2007. They still were making so much money from the 2000s oil boom that we've talked about before that they needed to spend the money somewhere. It sounds quite a bit like Frank Herbert's Dune. (laughs) Desert planet. Rich beyond measure, but not a drop of water. Now, the current sheriff is Billy Burt Hopper, who was elected in 2004. He was born in Odessa, and his family moved to Mentone when he was one year old, just before World War II. After serving in the Air Force and traveling the world, he returned home and was hired as a deputy sheriff in 1999. In 2004, he ran for sheriff against a former sheriff's son. Both men attended each other's campaign barbecue, and the first election was a tie. He won the runoff and inherited the job of being, essentially, the chief political office in the county, besides county judge. Hopper also serves as the county tax assessor and collector, as well as registrar of voters. Hopper has one deputy who happens to be married to the county's Justice of the Peace, and Hopper patrols his county in a pickup armed with two shotguns and an AK-47. Yeah, there's not much crime in Mentone. (laughs) 
<laughs> so most of the excitement that Sheriff Hopper has seen in recent years came in 2006, when, once again, Loving County managed to make it into the national news. In the New York Times, they reported on an alleged plan that a group of radical libertarians uh, had concocted that they were going to take over Loving County. The so-called Freetown Project planned to purchase plots of land in Loving County and then move large numbers of their supporters into those plots in order to take control of the local government. They were going to partition a parcel of land and then move a a couple hundred people in there so they could take over this county, uh, allegedly. According to the Freetown Project website, they planned to, quote, take over control of the local government and remove oppressive regulations such as planning and zoning and building code requirements and stop enforcement of laws prohibiting victimless acts among consenting adults such as dueling, gambling, (laughs) incest, price gouging, cannibalism, and drug handling. I'm not sure how some of those are especially cannibalism or victimless (laughs) crimes, but okay. Um, I give you permission to eat me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How can you be consenting in that? Anyway, uh, Hopper says he received a tip in 2005 of the group's plans. He got a call from a lady who said, you don't know that you're in trouble, but you are. And uh, he determined in investigation that the land that the Freetown Project had claimed they had obtained and purchased wasn't done so legally. And he filed misdemeanor charges against three of these men that were involved, even requesting that the Texas Rangers produce wanted posters featuring the leaders. They had tried to file voter registration forms in the county. Now, they fled Texas by this point, but if they ever return, they're going to get arrested on these misdemeanor charges. Of this situation, Sheriff Hopper told the New York Times, quote, we need people, we need people bad, but don't get me wrong, but we don't need that deal. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need cannibalism in Loving County. Yeah. Loving gets in the news every decade as census reports show just how small the county is and tell whether or not it holds on to the title of the smallest county in the country. But Loving will always go on its sleepy, quiet way year after year. In 2010, Sheriff Hopper told the Dallas Morning News, People don't want to believe it, but I've lived in London, I've lived in Houston, Johannesburg, and Singapore. I spent a week out of every month in Paris. I lived in Madrid for three years, but I've found the loneliest place in the world is where you have thousands of people around you and nobody talks. That, he said, is never a problem in Loving County. Well, this is a tiny place. This is a tiny, dry place in the middle of nowhere with no people or animals or vegetation. No, no, no. There's, there's actually, there's actually more rattlesnakes per square mile than there are people. Hmm. Rattlesnakes. Yeah. Right. Less, uh, less than you find in, less than you find in Panamaria. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I grew, I mean, my dad grew up in Wink, which is 30 miles away. And, uh, I went to Wink every Christmas and every summer for a couple of weeks out of the year. And I can't ever remember actually having gone to Mentone. You, you really have to go out of your way to get there. I've never been there. No, yeah. It's, it's not a place you drive through unless you're driving to the, your oil field that you're working at or something. It sounds like that magic island from Lost. You <laughs> need some kind of special submarine and a magic compass and like a lot of advanced quantum particle physics. You also have to be dead and on the way to purgatory to find your way into Mentone. Right. But you know what? You know who's been there is the Google Maps car has been there. <laughs> the, the Google Street View car. Because you can go, you can find it in, in, uh, in the Google satellite view. You can, you can zoom down in and look at this town. And it, it'll literally take just a couple of minutes to look at this town. But it is, it's, it's really a relic of an old time. But I think 
you know, we talk about, I grew up in small town, Texas, and I love, I have a passion for small town, Texas. And I don't ever want to live in small town, Texas again, but I have a passion for small town, Texas. And that just the, the lifestyle and the, the ethos of small town. Well, this is like the ultimate extreme of all small towns. It is so tiny and so remote. And, and it, it, it just is like the ultimate essence of, of a small town in Texas, you know? So it's like a small town in Texas? It's really the smallest town in Texas. I think, though, there's this interesting mythos that surrounds the notion of living in small towns. Now, I lived in a lot of small towns growing up, and, you know, not this small, you know, within, um, within say, an hour's driving of a mall, but yeah. still quite small <laughs> and out of the way. Yeah. And uh, I don't have quite as much of a romantic pining for the small town small towns as think as as much as you do i just think it's funny that it's it's this this speck of a place that still keeps making it to the news every cup every every decade and then a couple of times in between because of some nutty story that comes up we're gonna go and take over this town or well we gave back our money to the federal government and it's just i just think it's cool it's a cool story to talk about and it's in texas it's in texas which is known for big things right and that's the dichotomy as well yeah, it, it is. It is going to lose its title at some point because Molokai, the 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 yeah. leper colony, the people that are there are people that have remained there and have been kind of grandfathered in to live there. And as they die, the state is not going to repopulate that area. Mm-hmm. So at some point, they're going to be the goose egg. And <laughs> so, you know, Minton's going to lose its title probably at some point. But you know, hopefully, we can we can stave that off for a while. Well, the thing interesting to me to, to sort of sum it up is, is like you said, is that but there's a tiny community of, of people who live there, and they, for some reason, think it's great to live in the middle of a frying pan with nothing <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. Except dodge rattlesnakes. And it's the best place in the world to live, you know, if you don't like doing stuff with people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting to see, like, the, 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 hist- the rich history of it in terms of the the fraud and malfeasance in, in the canal industry. In the canal industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and then the the, the, the the what really does nicely kind of sum up the spirit of this little town is is the cafe, which is closed. I think it's now part of the, the gas station that's there. But the cafe, the guy made 30, 37 burgers every day. Yeah, he knew exactly he the 37 knew, people that knew, would come in for yes, lunch every exactly. day. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's really, that's why those people live in that town, in that community, is because everybody knows each other. You know, when they, when they, when they did the census in 2010, about a week before, they did the census in 2010, about a week before the judge and Sheriff Hopper sat down at the cafe with a piece of paper and they listed off everybody they knew that had, that lived in town or had property in town. Uh, and they came, they were at 80, uh, they were at 80, at 80. Well, the census came in at 82, but Hopper says it's because somebody, one person died and one person moved between the time the census people were there and they did their count. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, anyway. and I also like the story of the trying to get a jury together, and they're like, well, everybody's related to everybody <laughs> yeah. else. There's no way we can actually do this. Yeah. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstaple.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstaple.com and leave us some feedback. Be sure to indicate whether it's okay for us to mention you on the show. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shaw with two ends. And I am Scotticus. If you like the show, tell your friends and please leave a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Anyway.
Thank you.